Hello and welcome back to the Bible Companion series by P.H. Thompson. This is Exodus chapter 10. Verses 1 through 20. The Eighth Plague. Locusts. We can read this account so many times and it can be so familiar. We can be frustrated by Pharaoh's obstinance and wonder why he keeps holding out and holding on. But consider what he is being commanded to do release two million servants out of his country to worship another god. He was considered a god. It would be hard for this proud man to admit defeat. Yet he was being soundly defeated, as were the other gods of Egypt. Then God tells Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials, so that I may perform these signs of mine among them, that you may tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians, and how I performed my signs among them, and that you may know that I am the Lord. God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that there would be more than one plague. Each plague was a sign of something greater, God's dominance over the gods of Egypt. This was the ninth reason, so that future generations of Israelites will hear of these signs and know who God is. They were expected to pass this knowledge on to succeeding generations. When they go to Pharaoh, probably in the palace, they say, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Even though we were just informed God hardened Pharaoh's heart, he still held him accountable. He was to reconsider and obey. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility are taught side by side in Scripture. Some people try to emphasize one to negate the other, but both are true. The only problem is in our own minds. Someone once said it's like standing on train tracks. You see two tracks at your feet, but as you look down the line they appear to meet. Those two tracks of truth meet at the throne of God. The Family Worship Bible Guide says, if we accept sovereignty but deny responsibility, we fall into fatalism, mysticism, and sin. If we accept responsibility but deny sovereignty, we fall into legalism, self-reliance, and pride. Even if we do not understand how these fit together, we must believe them both. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. They will cover the face of the ground so that it cannot be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hail, including every tree that is growing in your fields. They will fill your houses and those of all your officials and all the Egyptians, something neither your parents nor your ancestors have ever seen from the day they settled in this land till now. Then Moses turned and left Pharaoh. At this point, the obstinate officials have a change of heart. They are humbled and realize their only hope of survival as a country will only happen if they capitulate. They say to Pharaoh, How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go, so that they may worship the Lord their God. Do you not yet realize that Egypt is ruined? This was the second how long question asked of Pharaoh. How could Pharaoh not see that their country was devastated? They were impatient with his stubbornness. They advised he give in. This was even before the locusts hit. They knew by now that if Moses announced it, it would happen as he said. He seems to listen to them. 
and summons Moses and Aaron back into his presence. He says, Go, worship the Lord your God, he said. This is his fourth lie. But tell me who will be going. He tries to negotiate a deal before the plague strikes. Moses answered, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, and with our flocks and herds, because we are going to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Everyone and everything will be going. Pharaoh doesn't like that answer. He says, The Lord be with you if I let you go, along with your women and children. Clearly you are bent on evil. He sarcastically threatens them, saying they'll need God's protection if all of them were to leave. No, have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you've been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. He is suspicious of their motives, so he sets another condition. Only men can go. He knew this way the men would return for their families. For the first time, God's representatives are angrily dismissed from the palace. They don't argue. The next plague will be their answer. God tells Moses to stretch out his hand over Egypt. This will bring swarms of locusts over the land to devour everything growing in the field, which had not already been destroyed by the plague of hail. He stretches out the staff, and the Lord makes an east wind blow all day and all night. He used natural means to bring about this plague. By the next morning, the wind brought the locusts which invaded the country and settled down in every area of the country in great numbers. We can't imagine the scale of this plague. We're told never before had there been such a plague of locusts, nor will there ever be again. They covered all the ground until it was black. They devoured all that was left after the hail. Everything grown in the fields and the fruit on the trees. Nothing green remained on tree or plant in all the land of Egypt. This is typical of locusts, which is a type of swarming grasshopper. They are thorough. They don't bite people, they're only interested in agriculture. Even a swarm the size of a square kilometer can devour as much food as would be eaten by 35,000 people. They ride on the winds and can completely devastate a nation's crops in a matter of hours. This was a worst-case scenario with no equal in their history or their future. This was a challenge to Osiris, to whom the Egyptians prayed to protect them from locust plagues, which were greatly feared. Also Nepri, the god of grain, Ermutet, the goddess of childbirth and crops, and Seth, or Set, was another god of crops. Pharaoh sees what's happening and doesn't wait. He summons Moses and Aaron quickly and says, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to the Lord your God to take this deadly plague away from me. So shocking to hear such words from Pharaoh. Sin, forgive, pray. He had asked for prayer twice before. There are people who in distress will ask for prayer but will not pray for themselves. He acknowledges his sinfulness but doesn't ask that it be removed, only the consequences of his sin. He recognized the severity of the devastation caused by the locusts by calling it a deadly plague. Their entire food supply would be destroyed. We should learn from this that God provides our daily bread. To rely on the gifts without acknowledging the giver is arrogant. He gives either food or famine as he wills. Like Egypt, he can shut down our industries and businesses whenever he pleases. 
Our current global pandemic, which has resulted in the closure of countless businesses, is a modern example. We shouldn't trust our possessions because we can be helpless in an instant. Moses leaves and prays to the Lord. God reverses the wind direction and catches up the locusts on a very strong west wind and carries them into the Red Sea. This is again a thorough removal, like the frogs and flies. Not a locust was left anywhere in Egypt. This was probably a change from previous locust invasions. The plague had been thorough and the removal was thorough as well. The result? But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let the Israelites go. Verses 21 to 23, the ninth plague, darkness. In keeping with the pattern of threes, the ninth plague arrives without warning. God tells Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt, darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. This is a supernatural, oppressive darkness that occurred day and night for three days, or it would seem like six nights in one. It was not merely a solar eclipse, as those take less than two hours and our viewing of them last mere minutes. This darkness kept everyone indoors. They couldn't go out. It was as dark outside as inside. It's been suggested that God caused even candles not to work during this time, but we're not told that. Darkness represented death, hopelessness, and judgment. Hell is outer darkness, a place where people are forever separated from the light of the world. If three days of darkness was dreadful and distressing, what will eternity in such a place be like? Psalm 105.28 gives a spiritual application to this plague. It says, He sent darkness and made the land dark, for had they not rebelled against his words? By rejecting the light of his counsel, he was only giving them a physical manifestation of a deeper spiritual truth. This reinforces that these plagues were not just demonstrations of God's power and nothing more, but signs pointing to a deeper truth. This was a challenge to their main god, Ra, who was associated with the sunshine. It would also keep them from performing their religious rituals. This plague again had a contrast, yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. How much better to live in a small Israelite cottage than in an Egyptian palace? Pharaoh seems to relent, but it's only his fifth lie. He says, go, worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. He is setting a fourth condition. He wanted to bargain with God as with an equal. He wanted them to leave something behind that would make them return. Moses doesn't agree. They need the animals for sacrifice. Partial obedience was unacceptable. You must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock too must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshipping the Lord our God, and until we get there we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. This makes Pharaoh angry. The Lord again hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. This time he adds a death threat. He shouts, Get out of my sight! Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face you will die. 
How idle to threaten death to this man armed with such power. But Moses agrees. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. All negotiations would cease. Moses would only be summoned to Pharaoh after the tenth plague when he would concede defeat. Scarlet Threads So what are the scarlet threads that we find in uh, this chapter? Pharaoh wanted to keep their families enslaved. Satan desires the same, but we are to seek the Lord in the days of our youth. The locusts came by the east wind and were removed by the west wind. The Holy Spirit moves like the wind wherever God pleases. The plague of darkness lasted three days and was obviously of supernatural origin. The length of time is significant, pointing forward to both the three hours of darkness in the middle of the day while Jesus was being crucified, and the three days he was in the tomb. After three days of darkness, the sun arose. After three days in the grave, the sun arose. The Israelites had light in their homes. Believers are the light of the world and should let their light shine so others see their good deeds and glorify God. Moses insisted they take all their belongings with them because they didn't know what God would require in worship. We should also be willing to give God anything we have in his service. Pharaoh did not want to hear God's demands from God's representative anymore. When people refuse to listen to God's word, he gives them what they want. Keep listening for Exodus chapter 11. May God bless the study of his word.